everyone, and welcome to God's Plan, Your Part, a podcast where our goal is to read the entire Bible in a year, seeking to understand God's plan of redemption while discovering daily and practically your part in it. Did you know that there is a sin that the Bible says if you commit it, you will be guilty of sin forever? It's unforgivable. Nope. <laughs> Didn't know that. Today, we are looking <laughs> at Matthew 12, verse 1 to 21. So we're splitting that one in half. We are jumping around a lot. We're reading Mark 3, and we're reading Luke 6. And again, we're doing this because we're reading this chronologically. So we're tracking the story of Jesus' ministry. But there's a lot to cover. Sure is. So I don't even know where you want to start off. If you want to start off talking about that blasphemous verse. Um, <laughs> it's, I actually, not a, like, it's not a blasphemous verse. <laughs> whatever. You know what I mean. Basically, I don't know if you want to start there or if we wanted to talk about some of the other things that you'd... What else did you mention? Well, there's there's a lot of stuff in here. There's I mean, so many things. There's he, uh, his, Jesus' disciples eat the uh, wheat, like the grain, as they're walking. They mm-hmm. get accused of violating the Sabbath. We've talked about that in one of our prior episodes. Um, this man with a withered hand is healed on the Sabbath day. This healing is interesting because it seems like Jesus is just like purposely provoking the Pharisees at this point. Like they're, yeah. they're watching Jesus and Jesus is like, oh yeah, hey, come here. Healed. <laughs> and they're like, oh, we definitely got to kill this guy. Uh, so we see that we actually see the Pharisees uh, conspiring with the Herodians. So it's like the sort of like the religious people uh, working together with the political people. And so Jesus is kind of gaining more um, fame in a bad way, more infamy, I guess. Yeah. More people are coming it's against becoming him. Becoming more known. Um, so I also noticed a little bit about uh, Luke chapter six. There is a section on judging as well. I feel like that word is just like that makes everybody feel uncomfortable. It probably always has, but even more so in our day today, where there's like such a culture of like, don't judge me. Like, o- only don't God can say judge. things about me and yada, yada, yada. And I think even sometimes people are really hesitant about that. Like, whatever, I don't care what your God says. He can't judge me. He can't do X, Y, Z about what I do with my life. Um, So this whole section in Luke chapter 16, verses 37 until 42, talks about how we are, as Christians, um, those of us who are calling out others, because I think that's an important part of like Christian walk and Christian community, is to call each other out when we notice that, hey, you can do a lot better with this. Like, I'm noticing that you're, like, really falling short of this. Like, you have to do better. Um, that accountability piece. However, this specific scripture is not calling out about God because God has every complete um, place to judge us for the things God that we've done. God is a righteous judge and will be your righteous judge. Yes. Whether you believe in him or not, whether you care what he says mm-hmm. or not, you will stand before him and you will give account. Uh, but this specific part of Luke is talking about how we do need to hold each other accountable. However, it is very important that if, let's say, I have an issue with with Ryan. Which does occur from time to time. (laughs) All the time. Oh, man. This week more so than most. Anyway, (laughs) if I have an issue with Ryan and I call him out about it, but I am like simultaneously doing the exact same thing when I think he doesn't notice... God is, or Jesus is calling us out like, hey, pull the whole plank out of your own eye. I believe it says log in this. Uh, Pull the log out of your own eye before you start telling somebody else about what they need to do with the same sins that you are committing. Um, It does not say anywhere in here that you should not hold each other accountable, that I shouldn't be like 
judging you, if you will, based on the sin that's in your life to hold you accountable to what God's word says. It says, if you are committing those same sins, don't you dare start calling someone else out about it until you correct that own sin in your own life. Allow God to forgive you for those sins and then help the person alongside of you who is committing those same things. Uh, context is the king in both these situations, the like judgment and forgiveness piece, and then also the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit piece, because you can just swoop in and pull one verse out and preach a sermon on this one verse, and you will have like totally butchered this whole thing. Mm -hmm. Because any, like, like the Bible is a letter to us from God, right? So when you get a, that's like flowery language, but you get the (laughs) idea. Um, If you get a letter in the mailbox out there, you don't open it up and like go like, put your finger in the middle of the letter and read one line and be like, oh my word, this is what it's about. (laughs) You would read the whole letter. Right. So context is going to help us a lot. So if you look specifically, this is dealing with judgment. Luke chapter six, verse 37. Judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn not and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over and will be put in your lap. For the measure you will use it will be measured back to you. So he's basically saying like he's highlighting forgiveness and care for people. And then the he's going to move on into this parable. So this is like kind of like two sort of connected thoughts, but they're they're different because the second thing is a parable. Uh, can a blind man lead a blind man? They'll both fall into a pit. A disciple is not above his teacher, uh, but everyone when he is fully trained will be like his teacher. That's very important. You should pick your teachers wisely because the more you follow your teacher, the more you'll become like your teacher. So that's extra credit. Like that's why who is teaching you matters. That's why who is teaching your kids matters <laughs> because a disciple becomes like their teacher. Um, at- Funny story on that. I used to teach first grade and I used to always come into school with little flowers like in my hair, like a little yeah. clip. And like towards like the end of the year, there was a sweet little girl. She used to come in every day with that same kind of flower clip in her hair. She's like, Mrs. Look, look, I look just like you do. So your, uh, your impact is mm-hmm. huge. So uh, starting in verse 41, and this is probably where the meat of this is. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take out the speck that is in your eye when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? So this is the line that's pretty much taken out of context all the time because it's only that part that gets taught. Like, oh, don't judge people. You have a log in your eye. You need to take that log out before you even say anything. But then you hypocrite. First, take out the log in your own eye. Then what? Then you'll see clearly to do what? Take out the speck that's in your brother's eye. Mm -hmm. That's judgment. Yeah. So we do judge each other. We do hold each other accountable. And the Bible actually promotes that, doesn't take away from that. So it's like you'll you'll see people there where it's like, oh, Jesus says, judge not. Or Jesus says, take the log out of your own eye. Focus on your own sin. That's not actually what the passage says. The passage says, focus on your own sin. Make sure that you are without that sin and then judge the people around you for their sin and help them to take that out of their own eye. But how funny is it? Like my instant thought is like when I think of someone saying like you're judging me is like you're someone saying to you like you don't have as nice things as I do. You're not as amazing as I am. You look bad, body shaming, like all these terrible things that I think the world has like so conveniently warped the word judging into because it goes to, my mind goes to all those things first, but I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. We should go way back to like 
judging is like in this context helping each other to be better exactly Exactly. it's not a matter of putting someone else down but when there's when there's when there's no truth and there's no universal values like it's it's offensive because i should be allowed to do whatever i want that is not what the bible teaches that is not what jesus teaches if somebody tells you hey the bible says don't judge they are lying to you because that's not what it says Mm -hmm. all right so now let's go over to another commonly misused passage Uh, a lot of times this is just it i don't know that misuse is the right word but a lot of times people just have a lot of questions about it uh this is mark chapter three and specifically let's do uh let's do mark chapter three verse 28 truly i say to you all sins will be forgiven the children of man and whatever blasphemies they utter but whoever blasphemes against the holy spirit never has forgiveness but is guilty of an eternal sin for they were saying he has an unclean spirit. So a lot of times people will read this verse and they'll be like, wait a minute, there's a, there's an unforgivable sin. Like (laughs) I can do one thing wrong and it's just hell. Like immediately, like that's crazy. It says it's unforgivable and it says it's eternal. Like it lasts forever. You can't get out of it. I think there's a part though. That's very important. Uh Verse 30 for they were saying he has an unclean spirit. Like, it's all reference to, like, our study Bible says it, too. It's, like, referencing to that Jesus is, like, gaining his power, like, filtering his power and all these things through Satan. And that unclean spirit is almost, like, demon-possessed or, like, demonic. All you have to do to deal with what seems like a really complicated concept or a really complicated passage is back out of that one or two verses And read 10 verses on either side. You could probably read five verses on either side. If you look at chapter 3, verse 22, the scribes who came down from Jerusalem were saying, He is possessed by Beelzebub, and the prince of demons, by the prince of demons, he casts out demons. What's happening? Like these people who hate Jesus, who hate God, Jesus has already revealed that they hate God, they show up to Jesus' ministry and they say, Oh, no, 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 that's not God. That's actually Satan. That's what's happening. But so interesting, though, in in verse 26, and if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he can't stand. Why would Satan be coming to drive out his own demons? Well, that's what Jesus is saying. He's like, that is completely silly. Why would you say that? Like, why would Satan drive out Satan? That doesn't even make sense. So the, the context here is that these people who have an agenda to come and, like, destroy Jesus, they're saying, no, this is not the Son of God. This is Satan. And so the unforgivable sin is whenever you are confronted by Jesus, whenever you come into relationship with Jesus, whenever you're in front of Jesus and you say, no, he's not God. He's actually Satan. What is the sin? It's rejection of Jesus. So this is like basic Christian doctrine that the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is purposely saying that what God has revealed by his spirit to be himself, I have deemed to be Satan and evil and wickedness. So when you reject Jesus, the son of God, you cannot overcome that sin. And that's like basic Christian doctrine. Like when you turn against Jesus, when you reject Jesus, you are separate from God. You cannot accomplish right relationship with God. Can you turn from that and accept Jesus? And can you repent of your rejection? Of course you can. But if you live in rejection of Jesus, it is an eternal sin. It is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And you cannot accomplish right relationship with God. So hopefully today uh, we helped clear up a couple goofy things. (laughs) Maybe, maybe, maybe we made them more confusing. I'm not sure. Um, But 
I think probably the two takeaways here are study your Bible carefully. Um, I think basically, like basically what I just said a couple of minutes ago, um, if there is a confusing verse that you read in the Bible, like a good practice is literally just read 10 verses before it, read 10 verses after it. It might help you most of the time clear up what you're confused about. Um, so I hope that you understand, like if you reject Jesus, you're separate from Jesus. That's an unforgivable sin. Um, because it's like the unforgivable sin, but you don't have to walk around being afraid that you're going to accidentally commit some sin that's going to cut you off from God forever. And don't believe this nonsense about how we're not allowed to judge people. We are 100% allowed to judge people. We are encouraged to judge people as long as we are pursuing righteousness with God. And as long as we are trying to help other people pursue righteousness with God. And I think you can see here this tension that's evolving um, where the Pharisees and the, the scribes and the Sadducees, they are trying to preserve their own wealth and power and influence. And so they are actively working against God. And Jesus is saying, hey, the people who love God, they come to God. They're not separate from God. And so I think that's like the central theme uh, to both of these things. When you love God, you don't blaspheme the Holy Spirit. When you love God, you call people to a higher standard. Mm -hmm. You don't judge them for no reason. So, Or for similar reasons that you are also falling short exactly exactly so that's the your part for today hope you found it helpful tomorrow we'll be back in matthew we'll be looking at matthew 5 to 7 so we'll see you then thanks so much for listening to our take today before we get into the reading if we could just ask you one thing uh, if you've been enjoying the podcast, if you could subscribe to us and then leave a rating and review, we'd love to hear from you. And every rating we get helps us reach more people. Ultimately, we're just trying to reach people with the truth of God's word and your review will help us do that. So thanks so much for being invested in the podcast. Here's the reading for today. Matthew chapter 12, verses 1 through 21. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck heads of grain to eat them. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. He said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry, and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests? Or have you not read in the law... How on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. He went on from there and entered their synagogue. And a man was there with a withered hand. And they asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? So that they might accuse him. He said to them, which one of you who has a sheep, if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out? Of how much more value is a man than a sheep? So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And the man stretched it out, and it was restored, healthy like the other. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him, how to destroy him. Jesus, aware of this, withdrew from there, and many followed him. And he healed them all and ordered them not to make him known. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Behold, my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved with whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel or cry aloud, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not quench. 
until he brings justice to victory, and in his name the Gentiles will hope. Mark chapter 3. Again he entered the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. And they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man with the withered hand, Come here. And he said to them, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. And he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart. And he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him how to destroy him. Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea, and a great crowd followed from Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem and Nudemia, and from beyond the Jordan and around Tyre and Sidon. When the great crowd heard all that he was doing, they came to him, and he told his disciples to have a boat ready for him because of the crowd, lest they crush him, for he had healed many so that all who had diseases pressed around him to touch him. And whenever the unclean spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God. And he strictly ordered them not to make him known. And he went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired, and they came to him. And he appointed twelve, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach, and have authority to cast out demons. He appointed the twelve, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, to whom he gave the name Bonagares, that is, the sons of thunder, Andrew and Philip and Bartholomew, and Matthew and Thomas, and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, and Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Then he went home, and the crowd gathered again, so that he could not even eat. And when his family heard it, they went out to seize him, for they were saying, He is out of his mind. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem were saying, he is possessed by Beelzebub, and by the prince of demons he casts out demons. And he called them to him and said to them in parables, How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but is coming to an end. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods, unless he first binds the strong man, then indeed he may plunder his house. Truly I say to you, all sins will be forgiven, the children of man, and whatever blasphemies they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. For they were saying he has an unclean spirit. And his mother and his brothers came out, and standing outside, they sent to him and called him. And a crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, Your mother and your brothers are outside, seeking you. And he answered them, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whomever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. Luke chapter 6 On a Sabbath, while he was going through the grain fields, his disciples plucked and ate some heads of grain, rubbing them in their hands. But some of the Pharisees said, Why are you doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And Jesus answered them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry? He and those who were with him, how he entered into the house of God and took and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priests to eat, and also gave it to those with him. And he said to them, The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. On another Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And a man was there whose right hand was withered. And the scribes and the Pharisees watched him to see whether he would heal on the Sabbath, 
so that they might find a reason to accuse him. But he knew their thoughts, and he said to the man with the withered hand, Come and stand here. And he rose and stood there. And Jesus said to them, I ask you, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to destroy it? And after looking around at them, he said to them, Stretch out your hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored. But they were filled with fury, and discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus. In these days he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples and chose from them twelve, whom he named apostles, Simon, whom he named Peter, and Andrew his brother, and James, and John, and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, and James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon who was called the Zealot, and Judas the son of James, and Judas Iscariot who became a traitor. And he came down with them and stood on a level place, with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon, who came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured, and all the crowd sought to touch him, for power came out of him and healed them all. And he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry, for now you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you, and revile you, and spurn your name as evil, on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day, and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven, for so their fathers did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all the people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you, to one who strikes you on the cheek offer the other also, and from one who takes away your cloak do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you, and from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish what others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be the sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use it will be measured back to you. He also told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he is fully trained will be like his teacher. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do you not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take out the speck that is in your eye, when you yourself do not see the log that is in your eye? You hypocrite! First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck that is in your brother's eye. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit, for each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered for thorn bushes, 
nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person, out of the good treasure of his heart, produces good, and the evil person, out of the evil treasure, produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it, because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, it immediately fell, and the ruin of the house was great. Thanks so much for listening to God's Plan, Your Part. If anything stuck out to you, if you have any questions, or if you'd like to receive a Bible, you can email us at godsplanyourpart at gmail.com. Also, if you're enjoying the podcast, please consider supporting us through the link in our description. We love that you're on this journey with us, and we hope you have a great day. See you tomorrow.